This is Ezra Gallo, a.k.a. Easy Rooster. I'm calling about Brain Scan and From Dusk Till Dawn. I think From Dusk Till Dawn is probably a better movie. The It's filled with great one-liners and some pretty good action and horror moments. And also, I don't know if you've ever heard of Salma Hayek, but I, pro- I like Brain Scan more. It speaks to teenage me in a way that not a lot of horror movies could. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'm going to definitely have to go back and watch it for before I listen to the podcast. Thank you. On this episode of Action Film Face-Off. Before I wish for your annihilation, any last words? Well, at first I was trying to figure out what he had in his mouth. My name is Dacre Stoker. I'm the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker, who's the author of Dracula. I'm the author of Dracul, along with J.D. Barker. You're listening to Horror Film Face-Off. The Long Box Crusade presents an action film face-off holiday special. Horror Film Face-Off. And this episode, it's 1994 versus 1996. Two scary films enter. One scary film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man Welcome, everybody, to Action Film Face-Off, or should I say Horror Film Face-Off. And guess what? It's like a double bonus. This is our 50th episode. So Jason and I have watched 100 movies for you people and your entertainment. I hope you appreciate it. Anyways, this show is the one where two random ears are selected. My brother brings an action film, or in this case, a horror film from one random year and i do the same for the other random year then those two films do battle using a variety of criteria that's usually out of order and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode i am jared albrecht the deathest of probes during this halloween season i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that my co-host is my brother jason the weaselist of skulls during this <laughs> halloween season we are both military combat vets who take our action seriously but not too seriously so let's have some fun Let's get into horror film face-off. It's the most magical time of the year for our podcast, Jason. That it is, that it is. And we are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. What are those categories, you ask? You shouldn't have to ask anymore. You should know we've just done 100 films. Come on. But okay, since you're asking, it's story. It's overall spectacle. It's the best action scene, or maybe best horror scene in this case. It's the hero and the villain. And it's still not in that order, not even for Halloween. But we will still have that deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. 
Thank you, Jason. And man, this is such an important 50th episode. And it's the annual horror film face-off that Jason's having some serious internet problems, but we found a way around it. We've dialed directly into his phone. So if his audio sounds a little different, it's just because he's using his phone because he did not want to miss this event. Just know, pretend bro. like it's 1994. <laughs> so he's building the ambiance for these two 90s movies. Actually sound pretty good. And you know what? We're not alone. We have got a sniper. Of course, we've got a sniper. And you may remember the sniper has one point to give in just each category. So the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. And we want to meet our sniper for this episode. Now, last year for Halloween or horror film face-off, we had uh, Aaron Moss as our sniper. We weren't too pleased with him. So this year we've decided to replace him with... Hang on, let me check the notes. It's, I guess... All right, Aaron Moss is backing you. Welcome back, Aaron Moss. Oh, you, you need to get a refund. That, that's horrible. <laughs> I, no, this- I am prepared. I did read G.I. Joe number 32. Oh. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> good, good. I think this was a typo, of like a formatting typo from Laurel um, that brought you back. But you know what? That's fine. Last year. Well, last I, heard year. The, I heard the Edward Furlough canceled on you. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Edward Furlong did cancel on us. So last year. You told us your three favorite horror movies, and this year I was wondering if you would just, if they might line up, tell me who your three favorite sort of horror characters are. You know, you like Jason, do you like Freddy, do you like Leatherface, do you like Norman Bates? Like, who's your sort of icons? Who are your favorite icons? I'm not allowed to watch horror movies. My mom says they're too scary for me. (laughs) This is going to be an interesting episode. (laughs) I didn't watch either movie. I'm just going to guess. No. (laughs) To start off with, I'm going to have to say Freddy Krueger's Got to be in the top spot. I mean, Freddy Krueger's, he's a modern classic. I say modern for me. The 1980s is still modern. <laughs> <It's me too. laughs> uh, and then moving on from there, I'm going to pick a, a real classic. I'm going to probably go with, I think today I'm going to say Frankenstein's Monster. It's a classic. It's just, you know, it's just a great story. And I mean, it's, the Incredible Hulk is kind of based on that. And, you know, amongst other things, along with the uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. But no, I just, I, I like Frankenstein's Monster. and. I kind of feel a, a familiarity with him. You know, I'm a misunderstood monster and mm-hmm. people misunderstand, you know, when I'm destroying things. And, <laughs> and my third choice, since it is coming up on Halloween, I'm going to say Michael Myers. Can't go Tough wrong. choice. I say depends on the day you ask me. It may change, but that's who it is today. <laughs> All right. You know what? Since you mentioned Halloween, just a brief aside, make this longer for me to edit. I was watching a thing the other day about the original Halloween. And in that movie, the kids are watching a horror movie marathon at night uh, when the little girl from across the street comes over and they end up watching the thing from another world and forbidden planet, which I had to text Jason as soon as I realized that. Cause it's like, those were our two films that were on retro rewind last year. And I was like, what are the odds that the two films those kids were watching at Halloween were the two films we had on action film face off retro rewind. I thought it was a weird coincidence, but anyway, that's a quick little Halloween story for you yeah, here. He texted me like at two in the morning on that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it must be an emergency. And I was like, but I got to admit, I was like, that is kind of weird. That is a weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah, very much so. All right. Well, thank you, Aaron. And before our two films enter the Video Dome Arena, which I'm quite certain is haunted at this time of the year, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And 
Angelica, Werewolf in London. How? All burned out. Blast it or stash it or slash it. Braxton, Undertaker Wood. Creepy, creepy Clinton Roberson. Captain Entrails of Fiend. Devilish Dave Cole. Gary B. And the B stands for Vampire. Evil Eye is Regalo. Gerald Gangreen. Jason Voorhees King. Jeremy L. And the L stands for Lunatic. Jim Hedden is Jarman. <laughs> Jinx Joe Thomas. Jigsaw John Watson. Josh Strickland, Principal of Pain. Candace Mental Ward. Candy Corn Kathy Bright. Mark of the Beast Ross. Murderous Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. And the W stands for Witchcraft. P.D. Devins. And the P.D. stands for Probably Deranged. Paul Bear Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Jeff's Dead Body. Writing Rob Morgan. Diane Ryan Daly. Sinister Samantha Maney. Shivering Sean Urbanski. Spidey Six Feet Under Seven. Spreadsheet from Beyond the Grave. It's the best thing I could do with (laughs) (laughs) Stephen King Cronin. Tim Vincent Price. Tony the Pit in the Pennington. Toronto Wolf Cop. Awesome. Now, if we miss you on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. Your recent edition will add you soon, but no worries. Just let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. If you're asking yourself now, how do I get in on this whole Crusaders Club membership thing? It's very simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. We're talking extra videos, uh, extra audio, uh, voting and show content is some of the people's favorites. Pat sends out little lists of things that we're doing this week. So you kind of get the behind the scenes of what we're up to. It's pretty cool. And it starts at just a buck a month. And oh, by the way, you get put in for some raffle prize entries. It's good stuff. Anyway, back to Jason. So you, you could say spreadsheet over dead body. That makes sense. <laughs> or spreadsheet over yourself and become a ghost. Yeah, I, I was trying to do the ghost sheet thing. And <laughs> See, why isn't Jason writing these things? Uh, I should have got the guy who wrote the, the action scenes to write these. And for those of you <laughs> tuning in, yes, these are probably the same ones from last year because I pulled up the script and I was like, hey, these are pretty good. <laughs> really they are good. <laughs> I, I'll work on the spreadsheet one. All right. Enough antics. Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film writers about the battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was inside the year of 1994, and I have selected Brain Scan. What year did the randomizer select for you? I got 1996, so I'm putting into our Videodome arena from dusk till dawn. Oh, my. We have a fine matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is just about us discussing some beloved horror films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. All right, quick around the room. How do we watch it? For me, Brain Scan from Dust Till Dawn. Of course, I have both of those on my Plex servers. That's how I watched them. Aaron. I haven't seen them. No, I'm just, um, <laughs> I hope to one day see them. Truth comes out. Well, okay, honestly, I didn't rewatch from Dust Till Dawn because I haven't find it anywhere. But you know what? I have seen that movie so many times. I want to watch it again, but I don't need to watch it for this. I've seen that on probably HBO a hundred times in a <laughs> year. A lot, of dust and a lot of dogs. <laughs> yes, it is. As far as brain scan, I watched it on Tubi. I think it was nice. I first watched it when I first, when it first came out back on, uh, I think it was probably HBO 
thing. back in the day. I don't see it much. I don't watch it very often, but it's one of those when I say, oh, that was an interesting film. I'll have to watch that again. So I did find it was on Tubi. I watched it this time. So Okay, cool. Jason? I watched Brain Scan on Tubi as well, and then I ended up just forking over three ninety nine, I think, to rent it off of uh, Apple. Oh, from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Oh, sorry. From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. I rented that one. Okay. Cool, cool. Well, there you have it, folks. Now, here's your spoiler warning. Clearly, we're going to spoil the heck out of Brain Scan and From Dust Till Dawn. And you know what? Both of them have pretty key uh, plot change elements. One movie, it comes later. One movie, it comes earlier. <laughs> but uh, spoilers are going to happen. So uh, go ahead and pause it here. If you want to go watch those movies, we're going to give you a little musical interlude and we will join you on the other side. When we get to the other side. Can't blame us for spoilers. Bring back. I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> Sorry. I think you used that joke last year. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Let me jump in with some quick info on 1994's Brain Scan. Now that I have your attention, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Trickster. What was that film you were watching? Death, death, death. Death, death, death. Part two. Oh, Lord. Michael's seen it. Go for it, man. Done it. Played it. Look, I've played them all. And just when he thought he'd die of boredom. Brain scan. The ultimate experience in interactive terror. Never leave home without it. <laughs> You're in the game, man. You're in control. You must think like a killer. Cover up any clues. Leave no witnesses, no evidence. A challenge he can't resist. It was so real. It was sick. See, I told you, man. I told you it would blow your mind. A game he can't escape. There was a grisly murder in the quiet suburban town of Mountview today. So you did it. What was on that disc? It's not a game anymore. Hamilton and Hayden. It's real. It wasn't supposed to be real! Real, unreal, what's the difference? I didn't kill the man. I didn't even know him. You're in this now. You won't survive on your own. You started this and now you're afraid to finish it just like you're afraid of everything else. I won't kill her! Shoot Play it. The witness has to die. Edward Furlong. Frank Langella. And introducing T. Ryder Smith as the trickster. Brain scan. I can't wait to see what you do next. Cast and crew is as follows. Start Edward Furlong, Frank Langella, and T. Ryder Smith. It was directed by John Flynn. Synopsis goes a little something like this. Michael is a kid who likes horror movies, video games, badass computer setups, and not fitting in well at school. He attempts to escape his everyday reality of becoming unpopular by playing a new hypnotic cutting-edge PC game called Brain Scan. And that's where the lines between video games and reality start to blur. Is Michael really good at killing in the video game world, or is he actually killing in the real world? Here's some trivia on it. Item number one. Director John Flynn did not get along with Edward Furlong during filming. He later recalled, Eddie Furlong was a 15-year-old kid who couldn't act. You had to slap him awake every morning. 
I don't want to get into knocking people, but I was not a big Eddie Furlong fan. For someone who doesn't want to get into knocking people, he knocked him pretty hard there. I mean, he's a 15-year-old kid. Of course you're going to have to slap him awake in the morning. <laughs> who amongst us hasn't had a 15-year-old kid in their lives? You had to slap awake in the morning. I've got a 14-year-old daughter. I've got to slap awake every morning. So. <laughs> I have a 16-year-old son. Slap awake. <laughs> <laughs> Item number two. T. Ryder Smith, who played Trickster, admitted he was the uncredited voice of Igor, Michael's automated phone program on his computer. The voiceover was recorded with Smith doing three different impersonations, and the filmmakers eventually used his impersonation of Boris Karloff. And your third and final bit of trivia. This film was a critical and a financial failure. But you know what, folks? I love it anyway. It was withdrawn from cinemas after being shown for only two weeks. And what's fascinating about that to me is the first time I saw this movie, I saw it on the big screen with my buddy Jose when I was in high school. So clearly we made that two-week window. And you know what? I really enjoyed it, but we'll talk more about that later. But for now, I'm going to hand it over to Jason. Thank you, Jared. Now I will give folks the rundown on From Dusk Till Dawn. Everybody be cool. You be cool. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere... Profile. You understand the meaning of the words profile? Sure. Two of America's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages. What is this? It's called a punch. I'm going to ask you one question, and all I want is a yes or no answer. Do you want to live through this? Yes. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom. This is my kind of place. But it's going to be one hell of a night. We might be in trouble. There are a bunch of vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our blood. Now, their only chance is to fight back. Quentin Tarantino, Juliet Lewis. Welcome to slavery. No thanks. I already had a wife. From dusk till dawn. Cast and crew included George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, and Harvey Keitel. It was directed by Robert Rodriguez. Goes a little something like this. Seth Gecko is having a tough day. After his bank heist went bad, leaving a bunch of civilians and Texas Rangers dead, he and his brother Richie are hauling ass through South Texas with the law hot on their heels. Worse still, Richie is a psychopath whose indiscriminate killings are making their chances for survival close to nil. A desperate Seth and Richie kidnap Jacob, a pastor who has lost his faith and his family to use their RV to smuggle them to Mexico. The desperate plan actually works, and the motley crew are seeking food and booze at a local biker bar when literally all hell breaks loose, as the bar staff turn out to be vampires. Now Seth and his unlikely allies have to band together to last through the night. And my trivia nuggets are as follows. Bullet point number one. The movie is intended to be an homage to the midnight drive-ins of yesteryear, and that's what inspired the title 
when they saw several drive-in movie signs would say, open from dusk till dawn. Bullet number two. Scott Fuller's Precinct 13 shirt was a nod of respect from Tarantino, who is a John Carpenter fan and loved Assault on Precinct 13. Formerly featured on Action Film Face Off. Well, thank you. I was going to bring it up if you didn't. And bullet point number three, Selma Hayek is afraid of snakes, and she tried to ditch her serpentine partner several times during the production of the film. Robert Rodriguez lied to her and said that Madonna had expressed interest in the part and would dance with the snake if she didn't want to. So Selma took psychological classes to get past her phobia and dance with that snake. I'm going to pass on a lot of Selma Hayek <laughs> snake. I was thinking the same thing. Let's move on. All right. Uh, Go ahead. I I wasn't going to pass on them, but getting the looks from the two of you, I think I probably should. So now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Let's get ready to rumble. Time to get hot in here. First things first, let's talk about match game. We got two films, five categories, which means there are up to 10 possible matches between Jason and I. I have not seen his scores. He has not seen my scores. So place your bets now. How many times do you think we are going to match out of 10? And speaking of scores, a reminder of the barometer. If we give it a five, that means it's fine. It's average. It's something you'd see on a halfway decent made for TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got a really good movie going there. Four, three, two, one. You've got some work to do. That's, you know, Alan Quartermain in the Kingdom of the Skulls or whatever it was called. It happened <laughs> one time, Jared. One time. <laughs> but you know what? We still had a blast doing it. So that's all that matters. And with that, let's get into round one. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is the story? We will start with Brain Scan in 1994. And Aaron Moss, your thoughts on the story? Which one? No, I'm just uh, sorry. It's one of those days for me. This is why this is why we don't I had you as not to return. Yeah, I paperwork messed up and got you back. I, I that's why I don't return to my own show sometimes. Um no, I thought the story on this was again, I, I saw it when it first came out, like on HBO decades ago. I may have seen it once or twice since then. So when I was re-watching it, I, I couldn't remember all the the plot points and all the twists and turns. So no, I thought it was a very good story. Very ending, especially left you wondering. What was going on? It reminds me a little bit of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the way it ends. It's like, what was it a dream? Did, did this happen? It, you know, it leaves you puzzling and wondering what was actually ha- how much of it was real, how much of it wasn't. So, no, it's, it's a great story. And he had a lot of twists and turns, I thought. And, yeah, it left you guessing all the way to the end. Is it real? Is it a dream? Is it a video game? What's going on in the story? Yeah, they do a good job of that. And then. With that little mid-credit break where they show the dog running around with the foot again, you're like, okay, now, I always took that, by the way, because I had another friend who watched the movie recently, and they were like, I don't understand, was it real or a dream? Because that dog was at the end of the mid-credits. I said, well, first of all, that's how, like you said, Nightmare on Elm Street, that's how all horror films of that era kind of ended with that, let's put a question mark on it. I always took it to mean that, like, if you remember at the very end, the principal was about to play the game. Mm-hmm. I always took it to mean that that was, like, part of the principal's playthrough. Now, like, we're watching his, his playthrough of the game. But that's just a, a possible take. Jason, you can run with that or continue your thoughts on the story of 1994's Brain Scan. Well, Jared, when you nominated 
brain scan is your film. I did my due diligence and looked it up to see what I was getting into and saw that it had a whopping one star <laughs> as far as that film was concerned. You know what else had one star, Jared? Temple of Skulls. <laughs> Temple of Skulls had one star. So I thought we were into one star territory. However, we were not. I thought the story was rather interesting. I think my criticism of it was that it was kind of floating between trying to be a thriller and trying to be a spectacle Freddy Krueger-ish type of film. That's kind of what I felt like. And it never quite firmly landed in either camp, but it did pretty well in both, I thought, if that makes sense. So I thought it, it definitely deserved more than one star. I think probably the thing that I found best about it, since I panned it a little bit coming out of the gate, I thought that Eddie Furlong's character was well-established, but in a way without having a lot of exposition. The opening where you see him at the car accident and coming upon his dead mother is tragic. It explains his limp. His dad isn't there, but there's one phone call that his dad makes to him. And you could tell the pain in his dad's voice. He loves his son, but he's struggling with this and is running away from the death of his wife. And so all of this kind of sets the mood and really explains how Eddie Frong's character can take this journey that he's on. So I thought that was really well established and really well done. I agree. Yeah, when I pulled it up on my Plex, it shows like the Rotten Tomato score. And I think this one had like an 8%. And I was like, what? <laughs> but you know, the most common complaint is what you talked about, Jason, is like people are, they kind of, I guess, want consistency. It's got one foot in slasher genre. It's got one foot in thriller genre. To me, I think that's part of the charm is that it's not, it's its own thing, but I guess people want you to be all about stuff, but hey. I, I agree with you, Jared. I like the fact that it, it dabbles in both. <laughs> I I appreciate that. I just realized the pun I did, it has one foot in. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's move on. From Dust Till Dawn, 1996, back to Aaron, your thoughts on the story. It's Quentin Tarantino. I mean, do I need to say anything else? The, the dialogue in is very Quentin Tarantino, very, you know. I still love, and I still use that one, the one part where he's, uh, I said, they're going to Mexico. What's in Mexico? Mexicans. <laughs> I, I use that myself. So I, I love that line. I think it's fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's really a surprise that they're fighting vampires. Cause I mean, if you've seen the previews, so I mean, but it took a very odd turn, I guess, when they got down to Mexico and they're at this biker bar and all of a sudden, yeah, they're, they're fighting all of these vampires. You got Selma Hayek. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. What was the <laughs> What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Fighting her snake and uh, like, never mind. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, yeah, they, they got these these other bikers and guys, you know, joining in fighting. You got the, uh, I forget his name now, the makeup artist that's in there. Tom Savini. Tom Thank Savini. You, Tom yeah. Savini. With his, his little gun that pops out. And it's just a great, yeah, I, I just love the action in this. And it doesn't have a, a real big story per se. You can sum it up, you know, you got these bank robbers, psychopaths, whatever, kidnapping this family, going down to Mexico, and they fight vampires. But it's fantastic. I, I love the, the twists and turns and, you know, the again, the special effects and all that comes later, I guess. But story-wise, yeah, it's just, and I love the ending of it, you know, the spoilers again. 
if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Listen to the show for go listen, but uh, or go watch it. But, <laughs> but yeah, they, they survive, and yeah, I love the ending of it when he wants to you know leave the uh, I forget the, that character's name you now, the little girl, and he's like, you know, he's like, I may be a bastard, but I'm not a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah it's just great it's a it's a fun romp and action-packed all the way through so that's fantastic yeah interesting how people complain about brain scan having one foot in two universes and this movie from dust till dawn has one foot in two universes it's a heist movie and it's a vampire action movie. i, I love that that's and i do too i do too it's part of the charm jason well you nailed it it is two worlds colliding here starts off as a heist movie and it ends as a vampire brawl for it all, which is really pretty cool. It's just kind of one slick sequence after another. It's really good action sequences with really snappy, witty, Tarantino-esque dialogue throughout. What really brings it together to me is Jacob and his family and being caught in the middle of this. I saw it back in the 90s as a 20-something-year-old. You know, I was really fascinated by Seth and Richie and the action sequences and the cool lines. But this time as I watched through it, I really got an appreciation for Harvey Keitel and the way he carried himself throughout that film and delivered his lines and the lines that they gave him. It was really powerful stuff. There was a soul to that picture in addition to the really cool slick elements that we talked about and i agree with with aaron 100 percent. that was spectacular to watch all right nothing left but to score them so jason yes you and i double back to brain scan in 1994 on a scale of one to ten how did you score the story well like i said i came in with relatively low <laughs> expectations on this so the bar was set at like jimmy cricket height but It landed on about a seven to me. I thought the idea was original. I thought it had a lot of twists and it kept me engaged. Was it perfect? No, but it was well above average from your, you know, standard horror slasher film, I thought, and uh, deserves a seven. And I'm right there with you with one notch higher. I have always really enjoyed the story of this and I gave it an eight and I fully admit there could be nostalgia points because again i saw this on the big screen with my best friend from high school sitting next to me and to me it's almost like what you said jason was sort of the low expectations this is one of those movies where where you and your buddies wander in because you're just like let's go watch a movie tonight right so we we went to the main post theater on fort rucker which is a one screen theater you watch what they're showing you know (laughs) we didn't even know what they were showing we just walked through the theater and went and saw it so it was a zero expectations and we went in we were both like this was really good So prepare for a little homerism and nostalgia for me on this one, but I gave it an eight. Let's go to From Dust Till Dawn. Jason, one to ten. I matched it with another seven. I don't think it was quite as creative as Brain Scan, but it was more slickly put together and kind of professionally crafted, I thought. So I went with a seven for that as well. And we have our first match game. I also scored it a seven. I thought it was really solid. I just gave the one-point bump to Brain Scan because I thought it was, like you said, Slightly more creative. We got some tight scores on that one. So let's see what our guest has to say. Aaron Moss, one point to give. Which movie do you think had the better story? Brain Scanner from Dust Till Dawn. Well, as I said, Quentin Tarantino is a genius to an extent. I mean, a lot of his stuff is very similar. His dialogue very similar in a lot of his movies. Uh, So I'm going to give it to Brainwave. Brainwave. 
thinking G.I. Joe brain scan. <laughs> you can well, take him you. out of the Joe podcast, but you can't take the Joe podcast out of him. <laughs> brain scan. I'm going to give that point to, because yeah, like you said, it, it's more, a little more original than from dust till dawn. While maybe he's saying too much right now, but dust till dawn may be a better put together movie from brain scan was, yeah, for what it was, I thought it was done excellent. So I'm going to give it to Brain Scan. Sounds good, man. That's the end of round one. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? So that brings us to round two. And round two is the hero. And of course, that's my round because I'm a big hero, right? There we go. Well, how cool is the hero in Brain Scan and from Dusk Till Dawn? You know, how cool is the supporting cast? Do they do heroic things? Do they stand out above your Luke Skywalkers, your Indiana Jones, your James Bonds? Heck no, they don't. But how close do they come? Aaron, let's talk about the hero of Brain Scan. I'm guessing that's Eddie Furlong. Oh, was that, was that the hero? I was trying to figure out who the hero that one was. <laughs> I, you know, that's an interesting question because, yeah, I mean, we focus on him. But is Frank Langella the cop who's trying to solve everything? <laughs> is he the hero? I don't know. Aaron, mm-hmm. it's your, your round of talk. Yeah. Thanks, guys. No, uh, no, that is a tough one because, yeah, I mean, he Eddie is the protagonist of the movie, but is he really the hero? That is a tough one because, again, yeah, the cop was actually chasing him down and doing the legwork. And when he's not playing Skeletor, oh, <laughs> 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 I had to bring that up. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know who quite the hero is. I'm like you, Jared. I'm, I'm divided between the cop and the kid killing people. Eddie Furlong is the hero, probably, because, again, he is the main protagonist. He's the one that, that's trying to stop it. It's not like he's going along willingly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, Eddie is probably the the hero of this story. And I thought for being dragged along and and forced to do a lot of this stuff, yeah, I, li- I love the way he kept he kept trying to fight it. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Oh, okay, I did that. But I, his, his hero attempt was failed just by... How powerful the villain is, I guess. But yeah, I'm going to say Eddie's the hero. And I thought he did a, a pretty good job at being the hero in that story. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting journey. He was, uh, you know, if hero is not the right word, surely he was the protagonist in the story. It was a, a very interesting journey. But anyway, it's not my turn. It's Jared's turn. Jared, what thoughts do you have? You know, I thought he did a pretty good job. He catches a lot of flack for, you know, being that teenage actor of the 90s, you know, occasionally on action film face off just on a whim i'll put the very last sound clip will be jason doing his impression <laughs> for long acting in terminator 2 she's gonna blow him away dun, 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 dun. you um, might get to hear it again tonight i'm boy. banking on it i am banking on it but you know what when i look at it i'm like okay what is he supposed to be in this movie he's supposed to be an angsty teen trying to escape reality uh, having a difficult time dealing with social pressures. He's trying to escape in video games and horror, and now he's caught in a horror video game. Is it real? Is it not real? And it brings up a lot of questions. I think he played it really well. Like, I don't have any beef about his performance in this movie at all. So, yeah, I'm going to give him a pretty decent score because for being what he needed to be in the film, I thought it was pretty good. All right, fair enough. Let's switch it up. And Aaron, talk to us about From Dusk Till Dawn. Who are the heroes in that film, do you reckon? And what do you think? Oh, I'm going to say the hero is probably uh, Harvey Cattell's character <laughs> and his family. Because, yeah. again, 
the Gecko Brothers are the protagonists of the movie, but they're far from heroes. <laughs> <laughs> they're terrible people. Especially uh, Quentin's character. Richie. <laughs> Richie, thank you. Yes, Richie was a horrible, horrible person. But you, you kind of love the you know, lunkhead. But they're, neither one of them are heroes. So yeah, I would say the heroes in this would be Harvey Keitel's character, the, the preacher man, and his daughter and son. I will say this for Seth, though. I thought Seth, although definitely not a hero, he definitely is one of the protagonists. He's a person that things keep happening to him. And Richie being one of them, like, I thought that scene in the movie was very powerful after he kills that woman. And Seth just says, what's wrong with you? Is this my fault? Is this my fault? Do you think this is what I am? That is just a really powerful scene because you see Richie, who's a big, tall, obviously strong and dangerous individual, just look like a child. Just look like a child being berated by a parent at that moment. And I thought that that was, that was a, a good scene and a scene that I thought really made Seth stand out as a protagonist. But I'm going to turn it over to Jared and see what he thinks. I feel like Jason could really relate to that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I did, man. <laughs> what was wrong with you? For what some was, reason, I could see that. What is wrong with the little brother, right? Yeah, who could say? Well, you guys pretty much said it all. It's an interesting mix because no one's really heroic. Other than make Jacob and his family, but they make a good ensemble. And when you add Fred Williamson to anything, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be pretty happy about it. He was on their team. That's cool. As well. Yeah, it's a really good ensemble. They play well off of each other. This is, may sound bad. I was about to say, well, nobody really stands out, but I almost mean it as a compliment. Like everybody kind of has their moments. And, and I guess the ultimate standout is George Clooney in the end, but it, every, it's a good balance of the protagonist team. So yeah, another decent score coming our way. All right. Well, I guess all that's left to do is score them then. So uh, Jared, what do you give an old Eddie Furlong in brain scan? You know, this again, maybe shocking and maybe my nostalgia acting up, but I'm going to give him a solid seven. I thought the kid did a really good job for what he needed to be. Well, I think your nostalgia points are just one to the right of my points. I gave him a six. I thought he was he was okay. I'll give him an o- solidly okay. What do you think about From Dusk Till Dawn? People might hit in hate mail for me giving the same score, but I gave them a seven as well. I thought their crew was real solid, especially, of course, uh, Clooney. It's really his movie at the end of the day. But I had to ask myself, you know, is he cooler than Roger Moore and A View to a Kill? No, but he's on par, so I gave him a seven. Ironically, that was very much the same question <laughs> I asked myself. And I came up with the same conclusion. Give him a seven as well. So there's our next match game there. Two match game. All right. That just leaves it up to the sniper to decide which one do you feel more compelled by? The hero from Brain Scan or the hero heroes from Dusk Till Dawn? Well, again, another tough one. Part of me wants to give it to Edward Furlong just because he, he did such a great job. But I'm going to slightly tip towards Jacob and his family just because they were drawn into something they didn't want to be a part of. And even though they kind of sort of die for the most part, not all of them, but most of them, I think they did a damn good job. And yeah, with uh, Jacob being an ex-pastor and his whole faith being tested, as it were, yeah, I, I'm going to give it to him slightly. Sounds good. Sounds fair. Turn it back over to you, Jared. Okay. That's going to take us to round three. You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. 
Round three is the villain. How menacing or entertaining is your villain? How memorable is your villain? We will start with Brain Scan from 1994. I have a funny feeling we're going to be talking about T. Ryder Smith's The Trickster. Yeah, maybe other villains you may want to throw in, but Jason, you get the lead on this round. Yeah, my head went towards The Trickster. I thought he was interesting. Again, seemed to be trying to clone maybe a couple different characters. My, I looked a little bit Freddy Krueger-ish, a little bit the leprechaun dude, the little leprechaun dude. I thought there was a little bit of ham sprinkled in there. But I will say this, T. Ryder Smith, physically, he was really good. He was leaping about. He was making these weird gyrations, awkward poses throughout the film, really making you feel uncomfortable. I thought the one kind of drawback, and this has nothing to do with T. Ryder Smith, but kind of the limitations of the technology from the 90s, perhaps, was the actual, like, when he gouges out his eyes and does those things, I found those not so much scary or even disgusting as kind of laughable, kind of comical. I don't know if that was the intent or not, but it's just one of those things that kind of, as I talked about before with the story, kind of takes you in and out of the plot a little bit. So there's a bit of a demerit there. But as far as his character and the way he played it, I thought he did a a really solid job. And my score will reflect that, I think. They can gouge out my eyes. They can run 10,000 volts through me. They can break my fingers one by one by one. But please, no country and Western music. Every man has his limits. <laughs> That's right. That is a great line. <laughs> Cracks me up every time. <laughs> uh, over to you, Aaron. Thoughts on T. Ryder Smith and Brainscan. Or if you had, you could actually also maybe see the cop as a villain since he's the guy chasing it. Right. You know? So I was going to. Suggest maybe the cop may be the villain because he's he's trying to stop our protagonist. But no, I, I've got to agree with the weasel skull on this. T. Raider Smith did a, I think he did a fantastic job. And yeah, I do see him kind of cribbing, if you will. He's some, you know, Freddy Krueger, some, you know, some other horror villains in there. But I thought he did it in a very entertaining way. And again, I just thought he brought that character to life, as it were. So and I thought T. Raider Smith. Did a fantastic job as the trickster. Yeah, the only thing I'll add that that you guys didn't cover outright was he had a great physical presence, but especially after I read the trivia about how he was the voice of Igor, made me think of his voice work. He does a lot of voice work. He does a lot of talking in Eddie's head, and I love how he plays with his voice. You know, it's very, kind of put me in mind of Claude Rains from The Invisible Man who carried that whole movie with his voice work. I thought T. Ryder Smith's voice work was really good. Yeah, very nice, yeah. All right, let's shift gears only slightly going ahead two years into 1996 to talk about the massive amount of villainy that can be <laughs> from dusk till dawn. And Jason, you have the lead. Selma Hayek. That's all I got to say about that, man. <laughs> Selma Hayek commands the stage. She commands that third act. And oh, my goodness, just what a presence in that film. And then when she just leaves that horde of vampires out, that is iconic that's not too strong a word i don't think and then like you talked about there's uh, also villainy i you could make the argument that richie's kind of a villain oh he's totally yeah yeah not that seth is a good guy by any stretch of the imagination but richie is as much of an agent of chaos as those vampires and seth has been saddled with him like his whole life And I think that that's kind of what helps Seth 
<laughs> survive the night at the end of the movie. So anyway, I think I've rambled on enough. I'll let Aaron have a turn. And I'm sure you feel very much a kinship with Seth. But uh, <laughs> We've covered thing. that already. <laughs> you know, I know, but I just had to bring it up again. Have I mentioned? <laughs> yeah, I, I could see Jared being, re- never mind, we're, we're off of that now. And actually, I stopped listening when you mentioned Selma Hayek because I, I got sidetracked and I was pulling some video. And never mind. But uh, no, yeah, Selma Hayek, yeah, very iconic. Her little snake dance there. And uh, Aaron. I make it yell. <laughs> People may not like us. I was. Go on, Aaron. <laughs> uh, yes, Selma Hayek did a fantastic job. At the end of the day, it's just a bunch of vampires. And while the effects were fantastic, Selma Hayek was beautiful. Uh, did we mention Sel- Selma Hayek and her snake dance? Um, not yet. No, this is the first time it's come up. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, yeah, Selma Hayek did a snake dance, which, you know, <laughs> I got to say about snakes and Selma Hayek. And I want to make some more comments there, but I'm no, sure you're trying to keep this as nope. a family friendly show. So I'll stop right there. But yeah, no, I, it was fantastic graphics. And there was a hordes of vampires. And yeah, as, as the weasel school over there said, Richie was a, a bit of a villain himself, even though he was a protagonist in the movie. I've got to give a little bit to him because, yeah, he was a protagonist, but he was also the antagonist. So, but yeah, no, it's vampires. I mean, they're vampires, I'm- Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nothing left to do but to score them. Let's double back, Jason. Brain scan. T. Ryder Smith, the trickster, one to 10. Well, I had to give him a seven. I thought he was strongly in that category. Was he a perfect villain? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But was he above average? Yes. Was he above what I was expecting? Heck yes. So seven for me. Match game number three. I also gave him a seven. From Dusk Till Dawn, Hordes of Vampires, led by the uh, lovely Salma Hayek. You gave it eight. I also gave it a seven. Aaron kind of said it at the end of the night it's just a bunch of vampires but you know that entrance by uh selma hayek you know did we mention selma hayek yet i no, it might be the first time she <laughs> selma hayek. was selma in this movie i missed her <laughs> <laughs> so seven for me there i thought they were paired across the board i ended up actually giving from dust till dawn a six as far as Villain goes just because, like Aaron said, it's a lot what? of cannon fodder. I bumped it. Did we I, mention Selma Hayek? I, I had, Selma I mean, Hayek because they were faceless cannon fodder, they started at a four. <laughs> and I got it to six. <laughs> I guess Selma got us to a six with a little help from Cheech. Cheech was kind of a memorable vampire as well. So, again, because it was just a faceless horde, it was a four, but she got it to a six for me. But yeah, I, I understand. We're close. We're still very close. And now we go to Aaron for his sniper bullets, which I feel like the name Selma Hayek is going to get mentioned in this, but let's find out. What do you got for the sniper bullet? Well, see, if, if I was you, I'd pull it to a six and a half because of Cheech, but I know you guys don't like Cavsy, so. Yeah, you got that right. And just because it's expected of me, Selma Hayek, I, I want to give it to her just because of that. But as I said, at the end of the day, it's vampires versus the trickster. And while, yeah, T. Ryder Smith may have not been excellent at the role, I thought he did a damn good job with what he had. And so I'm going to give it to the trickster. Awesome. Awesome. We've got ourselves a tight little match going here, which I wasn't so sure was going to happen because from Dust Till Dawn's a strong contestant. But hey, we've seen crazy things happen on this show. And that is the end of round three. We all go a little mad sometimes. Round four is all about the spectacle. 
how engaging is the film overall? We're talking stunts and effects, cinematography. I'm throwing in some soundtrack. I'm throwing in some film score, you know, all that stuff. Throw it in the blender. What comes out tasting the best? And Aaron, I'll let you kick it off. What are your thoughts on the spectacle of Brain Scan? As far as spectacle, I think it was a little more low key. Not low key, but low key. And, uh, <laughs> And in fact, that's also kind of what Trickster reminds me of is Loki, but that's another story entirely. We've already talked about him. But no, I, I thought the spectacle of it, I, I enjoyed it. Because like I said, as we talked about, as far as the story, there's a lot of twists and turns. Trickster did a lot of interesting and while to some was laughable, maybe that's just more about Jason than anything else, but he, he did come across, <laughs> try to come across as a very, I don't want to say a scary villain, but he did come across as a, a very supernaturally freddy-esque villain in my opinion but yeah the overall spectacle yeah it was good i enjoyed it between the two films on this this one was difficult these two categories in particular because there are two types of spectacles and i thought one was going to blow the other one away but i don't think i'm going to give up too much when i found when i thought through it they were closer than i thought but i'll let jared expound on that a little bit what were your thoughts on the spectacle of brain scan jared yeah, like you said, when we first figured out these two movies, I was like, oh, man, from Dustin Down's going to destroy Brain Scan. And I love Brain Scan. And then I watched it, I was like, well, one of the things we talk about in Spectacle Round is, do I pick up my phone? Does my mind wander? And this has got to be probably the fifth or sixth time I've seen Brain Scan, and I stayed engaged again. <laughs> I did not pick up my phone. And I was just like, this movie is, there's something about it that just keeps your attention. Like, it's well-paced. It's well-paced. Another thing that I really like about Brain Scan is I like the makeup job on T. Ryder Smith. I mean, it's 1994, so your visual effects and your CGIs are sketchy as hell, but they don't use them a lot in the film. They use them sparingly, which is what, something we've talked about many times on Action Film Face-Off. Like, if you're from the 90s or early 2000s, you better be sparing, or the future is not going to be kind to you when they look back. And while this one did have some CGI that you watch, okay, it's a little CGI, it's a little wonky. It was sparing, and when they did use it, I was like, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me one bit. And finally, Jason, I have to talk about this. The freaking score by George S. Clinton. I hold in my hand <laughs> the Brain Scan soundtrack CD, and all I really need is track 11. It is the main theme of Brain Scan, as written by George S. Clinton, that haunting, perfect theme that plays throughout when it when it needs to it's got a bunch of you know those uh, 90s uh sort of alt rock bands on there that you heard throughout the movie but that george clinton score is just stuck in my brain i've always liked it so it's really going to help out the spectacle of brain scan and stay tuned later in the show because i do think we're going to do a little giveaway and someone else is going to own the cd oh you're gonna part with that cd i can't believe it no, no, yeah, yeah. It's on my Plex server, so I have it digitally. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not in the business of storing a lot of CDs, except, of course, for the James Bond soundtracks and all my Prince collection. But I figured I might give this one away on the show. So stay tuned for that. Nice. All right. Well, that's going to move us over to From Dusk Till Dawn. And Aaron, take it away. What did you think about the spectacle? <sighs> so my Hayek and the Snake Dance. I'm sorry. It was very much a huge, like I said earlier, I mean, it was a vampire film. But and I, I'm not sure the budgets compared to this compared to Brainwave or Brain. I keep saying Brainwave, Brain Scan. But I thought the spectacle in this was was fantastic. I mean, 
the special effects was awesome. The, the, the people turning into vampires and Selma Hayek, when she was, you know, she, as she turned into a vampire, as Kevin says over on the GI Joe show, hot, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was very, yeah, it was action packed. It was very, the, the CGI on this and I'm not sure how much was CGI and how much was special practical effects with Tom Savini involved. I'm sure it was very much practical effects heavy. Again, it was very well done. And a lot of times the practical effects back, like Jared was saying, in the 90s, the practical effects would hold up much more than the CGI because, yeah, the CGI can get kind of kind of shaky in that area, whereas the practical effects, they've been doing it for decades, so they're familiar with it. So I thought this was done excellently, and I love the spectacle of this one. Yeah, I agree. I think that we're going to have some interesting scores here because spectacle is just different between these two although when it comes to music dark knight by tito and tarantula was just fantastic (laughs) (laughs) that's one of those soundtracks i proudly jared what are your thoughts on from dusk till dawn spectacle Uh, largely going to echo what aaron said i think they did a lot of practical effects which leans in its favor they did limited cgi and when they did use it they used good effect and once again let me talk about the soundtrack cd unfortunately i don't own that one anymore it is on my plex server but i can't give it away on this episode (laughs) but what a great soundtrack it's one of those ones you can pop in and play and every tune on it is it's cool and it's fun and it reminds you of the movie it's an outstanding soundtrack there's even a some samples of the score on there as well one of them is called the track is called Sex Machine Attacks. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> if that's not fun, I don't know what is. But yeah, it's another great CD. So, I mean, both these movies have a theme in that they leaned a lot into practical. They made best use of digital that they could. And they have great soundtracks. They're also all really well shot. They're just fun to watch. And they're engaging. Again, From Dust Till Dawn, is that a pick up your phone kind of movie? Not really. It's kind of a roller coaster. So there's a theme. Okay, now I know Delvin and Pat might be listening, and I was very polite, and you said it like six times, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. CD's nuts. Good. That's a that's a catch-all for the... That's right. So, all right, guys. You've heard it. All right. Now, it's time to score and settle it once and for all. The spectacle between Brain Scan versus From Dust to Dawn. We'll start with Brain Scan. What score did you give the spectacle, Jared? I'm almost second guessing myself right now. <laughs> my score sheet, but I'll go with what I wrote down. I almost want to bump it up a little bit, but I wrote down a seven. I thought it had good, solid spectacle. And I almost want to give it an eight because of the George Clinton soundtrack. And you know it had a lower budget than From Dust Till Dawn did and got a lot out of it. But I'll stick with what I wrote and say a seven. Give it a seven and a half. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> you know what show you're on. Well, we're close again. I gave it a six. I thought that the. CGI kind of brought it down a bit for me, but I thought that the tension moments were really well done. And, you know, I'm usually tone deaf in these movies, but the score did stand out to me on this one. So I, I'm picking up what you're putting down there, Jared. So six for me for Spectacle from Brain Scan. Hey, real quick, when he killed the first guy, it was cutting his foot off and he woke back up. <laughs> oh, But Jesus out of me. <laughs> Scared me too. I'm not going to lie. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's talk about From Dusk Till Dawn. What did you give the spectacle for that? 
That one I did give an eight to. I mean, it's a spectacle movie. It's got great action and great gunfights and great vampire effects. And you probably saw this, Jason, when you were doing research on the movie. The whole reason the vampires bleed green was because the ratings folks said, if you make it red, we're going to make you X-rated because that's a lot of blood. Right, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So they made it green so they could get away with it. And it's like half the fun of it. So, yeah, I bumped that one up a little bit. I gave it an eight. I think it's a pretty strong spectacle film. I didn't go quite that high. I, again, thought, yeah, it's a good spectacle. Is uh, A View to a Kill? I don't know, man. That opening scene from A View to a Kill. Uh, (laughs) The fire truck chase. The battle on the bridge. I thought it matched up. I gave it a seven. But we have a gentleman among us who can uh, bump one of these films up. So... Brother Aaron, who are you giving your sniper bullet to? Brain scan or from dusk till dawn? As Jason said earlier, the spectacle are, they both are very much a spectacle movie, just different types. Uh, Though I'm going to have, I was debating between the two, but I'm going to have to lean more towards from dusk till dawn because some Hayek and St. Yance. But no, I just. (laughs) That's correct answer. But honestly, yeah, from dusk till dawn, yeah, it was very much more of a roller coaster. While brain uh, scan, not way brain scan, was more of a, a thriller type, a little slower, if you will. Once they got to the bar and Selma started her dance, and all hell got unleashed on them, it was yeah, action packed and just very, very much quickly moving and till the end. So I'm gonna give that one and a half point. I mean, that one point two from dusk till dawn. Delvin's at home like (laughs) (laughs) no that's fair enough yeah one is definitely a fast move spectacle epic and the other is a slow burn but a delightfully slow burn all right well that's going to wrap it up for my round I'm going to just sit over here patiently and wait for uh, Jared to hand it back to me as he goes into best action scene Jason's right it's time to get to round five they mostly come at night. Mostly. Round five is the best action scene, and I do tend to hand it back to Jason. He usually breaks these movies down and identifies what the key action scenes or horror scenes for horror film face-off are. Jason, lay it on me for brain scan. What did you come up with? I don't want to bias this, but I think these are three of the best that I've ever come up with. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll let Aaron be the judge of that. So here we go. Number one, I'm going to open it up with the scene. The first murder scene, if you will, the one we were talking about where he cuts off the foot. It says his first time into the game. I called that one. I need your foot, your cat, and your bicycle. There's a, a Terminator theme coming, isn't there? It's Terminator 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starring Edward Furlong. All right. Number two. This is the one. I picked this one where he was trying to cover his tracks, and then it leads to the manhunt through the woods. I called that one. Hey, teacher, leave that kid alone. <laughs> all in all, it's just a, another brick on your skull. <laughs> you tied it all together with the well done. You like it, niece? <laughs> all right. Number three is his final kill, his would-be girlfriend, where uh, Franklin Jella catches him in the act, points the gun at him, and says, murderer, and shoots him. I called that one. He's going to blow me away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I feel so much better now that that's 
<laughs> I promised it I delivered. All right, Jason, which of those three action scenes was your favorite? I like the second one, the man hunt through the woods. Hey, teacher, leave that kid alone. All in all, it's just another brick on your skull. I thought that was really intense, you know, and you talked about it. That was one of those moments, although there wasn't vampire heads exploding everywhere and mayhem and chaos, I was leaning forward on my couch like, oh my gosh, this is intense. When that dog sniffs him out again, I was just like, oh, oh, he is so caught. Like we said, different type of action scene, but it, I thought it was really, really good. Would you say you were on the seat of your seat? <laughs> I was on the seat of my seat. I really was. Um, Aaron, of those three action scenes that Jason laid out, which one did you like best? I'm going to have to agree with Jason on this. The teacher, leave us alone, bashing your skull and all that good stuff, brick on the wall, brick on the skull. I, I, yeah, I agree. You weren't quite sure what was going to happen. It was very intense. You know, are they going to catch him? Is he going to get away? And then the teacher, you know, he gets a brick in the skull or two or three, whatever. No, I thought it was done very well. And yeah, it's like Jason said, it's not vampires being shot all over you, but it was very well done. I'm going to be a little different. I've always liked the very first foray into the video game where he kills a dude and takes the foot. Like I spilled the beans earlier. When he just saw that foot off and old dudes hits back up. Oh man! Like I said probably seems to be five times, and I still was like, "Oh, <laughs> like, I forgot crazy. it was coming." <laughs> Quality jump scare. All right, with that, let's go to from dust till dawn, Jenks. And there's probably like 47 action scenes in that movie. I mean, how did you? You had to kind of glom them up. You you know what you're doing. What do you got? I bunched them into four. There's the one at the very beginning, the shootout in the liquor store. I call that one "Clean Up on All the Aisles." <laughs> That's my favorite one so far. (laughs) But, you know, from that point on, there's not a lot of action scenes until you get to To the the bar. bar. Yeah. And then you have three in quick succession. The first, when the vampires make their first appearance and start attacking all the patrons of the bar. And I called that one, is that a stake in your pants or are you just happy to see me? Then after they fight all of those folks, then there's that bit of calm. And then the dead people start resurrecting as vampires and they have to fight those guys, including Richie. I called that one vampire leftovers. (laughs) Nice, nice. And then after they do all that and they get sieged by all the bats and then the bats get in and then they have to make their big battle break out. That was kind of the to quote Delvin, culmination, culmination of the vampire attacks. And I called that one like a bat out of hell. I'll be gone when the morning comes. All right. So those are the four that I kind of broke it down. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Did I miss anything you think? No, it sounds good to me. My only follow-up question is which one was your favorite? I'm going to go with the last one, like a bat out of hell, I'll be gone when the morning comes. That was the most frantic, chaotic. There's a lot of emotional stuff when Jacob turns and his son has to kill him, then his son gets killed, and then the daughter has to kill the brother. And the, oh, it's just all goes crazy in that one. So I like that one. I'm going to totally agree with you on that. And then we'll ask Aaron which of the four he liked best. To me, it was a toss up between the first one and the last one. Yeah, that first one is a good. Yeah. And, and it also helps it, you know, with the name Jason gave it. So 
that was hilarious. So I'm going for the first one just because, again, I think Jason's name kind of helped push it over the edge. But just judging on its own merits, yeah, that and the fourth one were very, very close. I mean, different types of scenes, but they were both very. But I'm going to give it to the first one. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, all we got to do is a little bit of scoring. Jason, you liked the Chase to the Woods. I like the first kill from Brain Scan. What did you score, Chase to the Woods? I thought Chase of the Woods was really well done. I gave it a seven. Match game number four for the episode. I gave my kill a seven, too. To be honest with you, like, as far as slasher movies go and stuff, I was kind of at a six with it. But as I've mentioned a couple times, <laughs> that jump scare totally got me on my fifth viewing. I was like, that's got to be worth a point. So I bumped it up to a seven. All right. From Dust Till Dawn, we both picked sort of the final battle. Jason, what'd you like it to the tune of? I thought it was as good as, but I can't say better than that chase through the woods of brain scan. I gave it a seven as well. Oh my goodness. Well, then we're going to finish this up with another match game. The theme of this episode is is just very different types of fill in the blank, but are both good. So yeah, I gave it a seven as well. I give every action scene in that movie a seven. I think they're all really, I mean, it's Robert Rodriguez. He's not going to disappoint you on the action. Yeah, his, yeah, seven's his baseline. Yeah, I mean, when Fred Williamson was picking up dudes and spiking them on table legs, man, I can't get enough of that. That was awesome. All right, Aaron, your last bullet. Which movie do you think had better action scenes? I think this is fairly evident, but I'll let you. Hey, we've been surprised a lot of this episode, so what do you got? Especially you remind me about, you know, slamming people into the, the table legs and killing them. That, that was fantastic. But... I'm going to give it to the uh, chase of the woods and the brick in the principal's head and all that, because again, I've said this before and for all the dust till dawn and Quentin Tarantino fans out there, don't send me any hate mail or go find me some more. But uh, as I said, at the end of the day, it's vampires, a fantastic movie. Don't get me wrong. I love from dust till dawn. Like I said, I, I didn't need to rewatch it because I've seen it so many times, but I think that, I'm going to have to give it to brain scan. Cause yeah, it was a, a bit of a different to me. I mean, vampires you see all the time, no matter how well they're, they're done, they're still vampires. Uh, that beginning scene from dust till dawn, the cleanup on all the aisles, that was a fantastic little gun battle, the exploding station and all that. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give my point to the chase of the woods and the principal's head and the brick in the head and all that. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. I'm surprised, but I think that's kind of awesome. And that's the end of our official round. Well, we got a little something left over, and I'll hand it over to Jason. I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Yeah, well, this is round six. It's the deduction round. It's the reduction for the ridiculous. Is there anything in either of these films that we want to take points off for? And Jared, I'll start with you. Uh, Anything you want to take off from either of the films? You know, I'm certain there's plenty of teenage ridiculousness and brain scan, but I, it just, it all held together so well, I'm not going to take any points away from it. It is a fun movie, I will say, to rewatch because at the very beginning when they're sort of showing establishing shots of the town with that really great score over it, if you watch carefully enough, you'll see the dog running through some of those scenes with the foot in his mouth. So it's like a complete mobius strip of a movie where it starts with the dog in it put his mouth and ends with the dog with put in his mouth. Uh that's something you probably only catch on a rewatch though. But no, no deduction there for brain scan. Did you have one before I move over to from Dust to Dawn? 
No, you know, when I first started watching it, and I did catch the dog with the, the foot oh, wow. in his mouth. Well, at first I was trying to figure out what he had in his mouth. I couldn't quite make it out, but then I figured it out as the film progressed. I was like, oh, that was the foot. Yeah, in his mouth. But no, I contemplated it because I was really uncomfortable with even like the fact that Ed, Eddie Furlong's character would uh, even like find any entertainment out of playing a serial killer. To me, that's not something I would really be interested in doing. But when I thought about his character and what he's been through and everything and how he escapes, it kind of made sense. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but I was just like, ah, you know, I'm really uncomfortable about him doing this. It just doesn't seem right. I think I'm going to take a point off. But as the film progressed and I learned more about his character, I was like, you know what? It makes a little more sense. So, Similar, similarly, I was like, should I take a point off for him being a weird perv video and his the girl next door? But then, like, she was taking his picture, too. So I was like, well, I guess it's OK. Yeah, it's mutual. <laughs> <laughs> balances out couple of weirdos yeah. is, it weird? is it weird that i found neither scene weird <laughs> no no that's all in your police record anyway so yes yeah, right. um so that was a long-winded way of me saying no i'm not taking any points off <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was probably the longest no we've ever <laughs> yeah that was a long no <laughs> i do have a deduction from for dust till dawn and what i know and when i tell you what it is you're gonna say what even louder it is the crotch gun from Sex Machine. <laughs> what bugs me about it is, I, and this is totally because I was going to say military authenticity, but it's more like I worked at a gun store. It's the fact that that's just not practical. Like the chambers don't match up with the barrel, so like there's just no way it could work. And I know that's like the dumbest. You saw thing it to, work in the movie. Terry. I know he shot it in the movie. <laughs> like I know it's the dumbest thing to get caught because I know it's just there for like to be funny. Like ha ha, it's a, a gun that looks like a penis with testicles. But... Objection, Your Honor. Objection. You did not take this off because they showed it in the case in Desperado. They showed the the cross. <laughs> I forgot that the it was in the in Desperado. Case. You didn't take it off. I guess maybe because it didn't get used. Like, I couldn't quite tell how it worked. Okay, this one, fair. I can clearly see how it's designed. I'm like, well, the chambers don't match up with the barrel. It makes no sense. I, I just can... thought, like, the recoil from that would be oh, like, my goodness, yes. kicked in the nuts. No, like, thank you. I'm not firing that. That goes on. That all goes into it. I was like, it's, I get that it's played for laughs, but it always kind of bugs me that, like, it's not functional. And even if it would be, it would be very painful to shoot. From what I hear, some people enjoy that. <laughs> I, I am I actually, one of them, but <laughs> and you can keep this in or leave it out. But I've actually met Thompson at a convention, and he had that piece with him on display. I thought that was pretty cool. But no deductions for you? No, I don't think I'll I'll deduct anything from either film. Then that is the end of our scoring rounds. Now, don't you worry if you haven't been keeping up with that math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. And let's just recap a few things. We have one, two, three, four, five match games. If you guessed five out of ten match games, you won. So congratulations to yourself. And looking at our sniper, our sniper gave three of his five points to BrainScan and two to From Dust Till Dawn. And let me give you a little hint, people. That's going to make all the difference in tonight's scoring. Because with just Jason and I's scores alone, these movies came out tied. So you've probably figured out who won already. But let me do the official reveal. The winner of this episode of Horror Film Face-Off, with a score of 72, 
to 71 is brain scan. Well, I am shocked, folks, but congratulations to Brain Scan. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...2006. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...1987. And what will those films be? We're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we're talking to you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrecht, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, aka Death Probe. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. At Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it is all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Aaron, pimp yourself, sir. You can find me in front of the local judge for taking pictures of the next-door neighbor girl. <laughs> and also you can find me at headcastnetwork.com, or the home for all of my shows. And I'm also on Facebook. I've got my two Facebook groups, uh, facebook.com slash group slash G.I. Joe. And Facebook.com slash Headcast Network. And you can also find me on, on Facebook under Aaron Head Moss if you want to yell at me personally for upsetting the apple cart. <laughs> I hear that's a good place for that. <laughs> and you know what? I made a little bit of a promise earlier about doing a giveaway. If you would like the soundtrack CD to Brain Scan, which I'm going to give away on this episode, all you got to do. Here's a fun one, Jason. We've never done this before. If you want if you want this soundtrack CD, all you need to do is dial 707-532-5269 on your phone and leave us a voicemail about what you think of Brain Scan or From Distill Dawn or both or any of your thoughts about action film face-off matchups of the past. 707-532-5269. If you leave us a voicemail, you are in the running for the CD. But if you do that, listen carefully, if you do that, don't forget to tell us who you are on the voicemail and how we can get in touch with you. Now I will edit that out. So not the whole world won't know who you are and, and how to get in touch with you. If you don't want them to, I'll edit that out when we play your voicemail on the show, but just tell us who you are and how to get in touch with you. And we will get you that. I think I'm going to enter. I'm going to call and just replay this entire episode. <laughs> I, was like, I have a 90 minute voicemail from Aaron. That's how to win it. All right. With that, be sure to check out all the shows in the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on your podcatcher of choice. Or you can listen directly at www.longboxcrusade.com or, of course, over on our Longbox Crusade YouTube channel. And if you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and again, YouTube. Or on Twitter, we actually have our own account there called AFFO Podcast. You can hit us up there as well. And one more time, that phone number is 707-532-5269. I want to thank Ezra Gallo, who called in when I put out the call for this episode. You heard his message at the beginning of this episode with his thoughts on these two movies. If you want to be cool like Ezra, 707-532-5269 or 
Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next time, keep your silver bullets handy and your garlic fresh. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. These are the fine... Act like I've been through puberty. These are the fine folks. Yeah. Oh, another upset. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm here for, just to upset the cart. Oh, my goodness. Everybody who's about to send hate mail to Aaron, all I got to say is this. Everybody be cool. You. You. Be cool. Be cool. (laughs) You can send that hate mail to head at (laughs) headspeaks.com. Wow, I, I I love Brain Scan, but I thought it had zero chance at all. Jason could tell you when we were picking these movies out, I was like him and Hall, and I was like, I want to bring Brain Scan, but it's going to get its ass kicked by Still I thought so at first too until I rewatched it. Re- it's a, such a good movie. I thought I, when I saw that one star on there, I was like, What are you doing? And again, same way last year, you you, you thought you had an upset, and it was very close last year because yeah. you know, how was a very surprisingly good movie. Absolutely was. Well, that's why we watch them. I guess uh, that brings it to me. I probably should bring the script back up. And Jared still can't believe it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm pleasantly shocked, but wow. Wow. This episode is... Freddy is the devil. All right. We're hot tonight. Halloween one always throws us off. It is. All right, here we go. She's going to blow him away. What a way to spend Halloween.